Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first-time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, the podcast where two aspiring sports journalists sit down and talk baseball. I am your host, Tyler Foy, and alongside me, as always, is the wonderful Nathan Lannon. And Nate, this is the last time we'll be sitting in front of this mic this semester talking about baseball. This will be the last time we are sitting in front of this microphone, kind of like scrunched together in Tyler's room talking about baseball. And after this week, uh, we will be remote. Right, we will be doing it from a remote setting, and it's going to be different for us because obviously we're so used to having this, uh, I don't know, social interaction where we can see each other. I'm sure we're going to be talking over each other much more uh, in uh, a remote <laughs> setting where we're not yeah. able to see social cues and stuff like right. that. We'll also have to like do. It. How are we going to sync that up? We're going to have to do like a clap thing. Like... Yeah, you do a little <laughs> clap sync. And... Yeah. And it's not going to be too difficult. I don't think we're going to have too much. It's not going to cause yeah. too much trouble for us. The quality will not drop off. That is important. Yes. Um, but yeah, so saying that this is probably going to be, well, this is the last episode for um, at least a week or two as we try to settle back into our homes and, and try to adjust back to life there. And I know that I don't get back for a little bit. So it's definitely going to be a little bit, but... Maybe after one or two weeks, we'll be back. And you guys can follow us on Twitter at the 2 Pod if you guys want to stay updated. We will be giving out information for when we will actually be coming back. But let's enjoy this last episode that we have here and just talk all about what happened this wonderful weekend of baseball. And I gotta say, Nate, mm. we did mention last episode that maybe we are cursed. <laughs> this is true. This podcast is a little cursed. It's a little cursed. But... Maybe the just, fact, just a little bit cursed. The fact that the Athletics didn't lose their win streak right after we made our podcast gives me a little hope. Is our power fading? Maybe. <laughs> our power could be fading, but the Athletics went on to win more games against the Baltimore Orioles, resulting in a 13-game win streak. But today they went into the game and Means, John Means, pitched a great game for the Baltimore Orioles and in turn, the win streak, Nate. The win streak it's over. is over. It's over at an unlucky 13 games, which means they might go on a 13-game losing streak. I don't but know no. about that. <laughs> but no, no. Their, their uh, red-hot bats fell flat against Means today. Means has been good all season. I mean, his ERA is at a 1.5 at this point of the season. Uh, he's kind of shows why he's the ace of that Baltimore Orioles team. Nobody talks about their pitching. Not many people talk I mean, about the Orioles. nothing to home about in general but uh it is important that i think that they have a solid one pitcher now you know that's um uh, a solid one pitcher that they can rely on every five days to go out there and make a start yeah it's important for the orioles as a uh, young rebuilding team to lock down their ace of the future and uh means looks like he fits every bit of that part so far yeah he's been good he's been definitely performing well but I don't think anybody has the Orioles performing well. Right. But a team that nobody had performing well that we keep mentioning every single week. Who told the Royals they're allowed to be good? <laughs> what What is... We still haven't gotten to the bottom of it, think, have we? Of why they're on this pace. I mean, they're one of a few teams with 13 wins now, right? Well, 13 and over yeah. wins, yes. Uh, after taking the series dub against the uh, Detroit Tigers today... They push on to a 13 and 8 record. Yeah, 13 and 8. You know, it's not like they're hitting uh, absurdly well. I think they're doing just enough to kind of push themselves over the line. Uh, definitely never didn't expect Michael Taylor to be batting near 300. But to say that their best hitter at this point of the season, being this red hot, is only batting 288, right. is kind of i don't know it's, it's, it's strange it feels like they're consistently doing just enough to stay alive just enough to like be afloat enough to win games and it's working you know they are winning they're leading that division but and at the same time it's like how sustainable is that is like doing just enough here right and and duffy um is is they're definitely their ace their guy here Three wins to the season up to date with a 0.39 ERA. Hmm. Leading the team in ERA wins, strikeouts, whip, innings pitched. The whole, you know, the whole nine yards here for, for Duffy. 
Okay. And even a guy like Brad Keller, who has started just as many games as Duffy. This guy is 1-2, 12 ERA, with a 2.5 whip. Terrible starts from Brad Keller. Mm. Mike Miner has a 4 ERA, 1.2 whip, which is important. I think whip's more important. 2-1 mm. and one on the season. So, and then their next uh, person in the rotation, uh, Brady Singer, or Singer. Is it Singer or Singer? That, I think it's Singer. Uh, is one and two on the season with a two point nine ERA and a one point oh nine oh eight WHIP. So obviously he's doing pretty well, not getting the wins, but he is pitching well. But it still doesn't make sense to me how the hell they are, how the heck yeah. they are even it's, performing. This I mean, well. their best pitcher is like I mean their best pitcher. I mean, is Danny, be doing yeah. very well. Their best pitcher is doing uh, very well. Danny Duffy's doing great. But, like, even Brady Singer, he's only, like, 2.95 is good, but not, like, at least with the rest of the team here. Like, third, it doesn't say 13 wins good. And, and not, not to, I, I think Salvador Perez, he has five home runs and 12 RBI. Like, as their team's, as far as the team's hitting goes, it's, it's doing well. It's not on par with some of the better hitting teams in the league. But, I mean, have they had a weak schedule so far, or... I don't know if they've had a weak schedule. I mean, they've had to face some pretty tough... Or they've had to definitely face some pretty decent opponents. Um, but I think it is important to note that we aren't talking about, I think, their biggest their biggest strong suit at this point of the season. And it's absolutely that bullpen. That bullpen has been shut out. Or have been lights out. There you go. That's better. Yeah. Um, it's actually pretty impressive here with some of these whips and some of these ERAs and how many games they've played. I mean, a guy like uh, Jake Brents has pitched in 11 games so far. Only nine innings, but they, he's getting the job done when he's getting in yeah. there. A two ERA and a one whip. Yeah, whatever they're doing here, it's working. Like this, I mean, the stats back it up here. I, I think the one thing, I think it's like been the main thing that's been consistently elite so far for the Royals. It's it's more it's more of like why they're staying more staying afloat than anything because the bullpen has been so consistent that they're in these games late. I think it's I think it's, it boils down to Royals club culture. Mm-hmm. Even in the speed department, everybody knows when they want when they went on to uh, go to the World Series, mm-hmm. right? Their catchphrase was always, that's what speed do, right? <laughs> yeah. And now they're, I'm pretty sure they're leading the league in stolen bases. Whit Merrifield with eight stolen bases. Ben Tendi with four. Next being Michael Taylor with three. They have speed and uh, depth around every single position. I think that's just the Kansas City Royals way. And I think that's what we're not really used to in terms of uh, looking at a winning team. And they're kind of just... They're just doing what they used to. And I think that's 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 where it's coming from. Another team that has a lot of depth. And I mean a lot of it. A lot of bullpen as well. Just a very good team overall is the Milwaukee Brewers. And I don't think we've given them enough credit. I think we've talked a lot of, about a lot of different players on their team. team. Yeah, I, I feel like we haven't really examined them as a team as much. I feel like they've had a few, like, outstanding performance uh, players on that team have had a few outstanding performances so far but i don't think we've gone in on them as a team or why they're uh ahead of a semi-week and uh, a semi-week and central at this point i don't know i don't know if i'll call it a semi-week but i mean i think it's very competitive i think every division is competitive it's all uh, yeah this so, i mean it's remarkable it's, it's uh, pretty much every division so far is quite a bit closer than i thought it would be i mean there's a bit of different. There's a bit of a distance between some of the la- the last place teams, uh, in the NL West. But beyond that, there isn't really that much difference. Right, mm. and I think for the uh, Brewers, I mean, they're pitching. You're gonna talk about these starters, Woodruff and Burns, definitely combining for a combining for a one-two punch. You mm. know, yeah, definitely a lot of KOs, a lot of strikeouts between the two. Burns, obviously, 40 strikeouts, zero walks. Yeah. Insane pitcher. So we talked about him last time. Start. Brandon Woodruff had another great start on the mound today against the Cubs. Uh, sorry, Eli. But, <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's been definitely something to watch when you're watching their pitchers. I personally love watching Devin Williams. I love watching him pitch because he is absolutely nasty up there when he pitches. Oh, absolutely. Uh, out of the bullpen as well, you have Josh Hader. It's a good team. 
And that's why I had him winning this division. Oh, yeah. Their pitcher, their pitching has just been absurd this season. I mean, Corbin Burns is obviously doing his thing. 0.37 ERA, 40 strikeouts. Brandon Woodruff, too. But Freddie Peralta, he's not doing so bad himself. 2.45 ERA, 1.182 whip. You've got Adrian Hauser, who's been pretty decent so far with the 3.32. Like, their worst starter is Brett Anderson. And even he is a 4.15 ERA. So, like... There isn't a part of this rotation that's doing like badly. Where there's right. there's not a starter there's not a starter on the Brewers rotation where you're thinking, Okay, this will be easy, you know, like we should be able to hit pretty well, you know. Right. And <clears throat> and Travis Shaw on the batting side, seven leading the team in RBIs with seventeen. Uh the next person is the guy that is surprisingly hot. I don't think anybody really knows um too much about Omar Navarez. Um, but or I don't think anybody knows too much about Omar Narvaez, but he's performing really well, batting 389 with three home runs, 11 RBIs, and 1.051 OPS on the season. Uh, definitely having a career year, a career start, really, yeah. uh, for the 29-year-old catcher. Um, and, and that's got to be a big role for them. Having players perform uh, that you don't expect <sighs> is something that we always see with the Brewers. Yeah. And they always seem to come out of the woodworks with the Brewers when cuz they're just so good at adding depth and adding these guys that you that you don't really give a second thought to that just come out of the woodworks. Like there's obviously someone in that uh personnel department with the Brewers that sees something the rest of the league doesn't. But I'm not going to sit here and say that their hitting is doing mighty fine. <laughs> uh they have out it's of their not, other than Navarez, it's not great. It's, yeah, other than yeah. him and Travis Shaw, I would say it's not great. Kiyohara with a 155. Colton Wong's doing all right. Yeah. Luis Urias, who they gifted him the starting role, trading uh, yeah. Orlando Arcia. He's hitting 149. It's rough. Right. Um, or Oswaldo Arcia, I think it Oswaldo was. Oswaldo Arcia? I'm pretty, one, one, of one of the Arcias. <laughs> one of the Arcias. Uh, Avisel Garcia is batting 219. He's a guy mm. that goes up there at the plate, battles every single bat, and hits for contact. Mm. Yeah, he's not even doing well. Yeah. So, I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr., new acquisition, not doing too well. So, I can't sit here and say that their batting is doing amazing. Yeah. It's definitely towards the pitching side of things that is helping them get along. But they are leading that NL Central, and they are a force to be reckoned with. Oh, for sure. I, I think it's the usual suspects with the Brewers too of their defensive fishery, their defensive efficiency being tops. But I definitely think they're starting. I think I definitely think the reason they're leading this early is because their starting pitching is just going out of their minds right now. There's Absolutely, not, there's not a bad pitcher in the rotation. Absolutely. Talking about a team that has a lot of good pitching out of nowhere, though, is the <laughs> San Francisco Giants. The second yeah. place San Francisco Giants, Over might I Padres. add. the Padres. It's, it's inter- I, I don't think we expected uh, the, the Giants pitching to be this good, period. Let alone, like, caught out of the gate. Uh, I will mention, though, that the Padres have had a rough entry to their schedule. Yeah. You know, they have played some they tough teams. They haven't had it easy. The, you know, the Giants get to play against the Fish this weekend, you know. <laughs> yeah. So they took that series 3-1 to one, uh, and pushing them to 14-8 and eight on the season. And wow, I didn't see it coming. These San Francisco Giants have good pitchers. I just... Oh, yeah, the Giants starting pitching has been absolutely insane so far. I mean, they've only got one guy in their entire rota- in that, in that entire starting rotation with an ERA above three. Now, granted, Logan Webb, he has an ERA of 5.87, but the rest of the rotation, Kevin Gossman, uh, 2.14, Anthony Descalafani, 2.14, three guys with a whip below one, Aaron Sand, or, uh, Johnny Cueto, uh, Kevin Gossman, and Alex Wood, all have a whip below one. It's it, it just white-hot starting pitching out of the gate for the San Francisco Giants. Absolutely. And I think it's cool to um, look at it and – they have 10 different pitchers that have a win on the season. Yeah. So even their bullpen late in games when it's close, is are, like they're getting the job done. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Rogers, the guy with the rising slider. I don't know if you've seen that, mm-hmm. uh, but he has a disgusting rising yeah. slider because he throws submarine. But he's been in 13 games, 0.66 ERA so far. 0.732 whip. Gross. Just disgusting. He, I mean, the bullpen too. The bullpen hasn't been as hot, 
as the uh, as the starting rotation for the Giants, but my lord, it's just it's it, it's what exactly what the Giants needed to break right for them to improve on last year, and so far it has. But how's their how's their hitting done? I mean, I think they're performing pretty well. I mean, especially when you compare it to some other teams that we've talked about mm-hmm. today. Um, Buster Posey, Buster he's Posey, performing well and coming off of an injury with a prospect underneath him, just, you know, climbing and trying to claw at it and get to play in time. Buster Posey says, wait a second, bud. This is still my team. I'm still the primary <laughs> so catcher minute, right here. You're but... not replacing me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Evan Longoria is hitting surprisingly well, too. Four home runs, nine RBI, 291. He's been with an OPS of .972. He's been a nice uh, surprise this year. Here's the story. Here's the story with these Giants. Mm -hmm. The old people, (laughs) the retirement home, it came out to play. Yeah, they turned back the clocks. They have turned back the clock so far. I mean, Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, and Evan Longoria are all doing pretty well. Is this so 2010? Far. Is this yeah. 2012? What's going on it's over like the, here? Yeah, the Giants wound the clocks back to like 2010 because I mean, all those guys are hitting well. If this were 2010, this this would be one of the best teams in baseball. True with Evan Longoria. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know about that. I don't think. Eh, eh. It would be a pretty decent. A pretty good team. hitting core. Right. Um, Tommy Lastella, new acquisition, isn't doing too great for them at the moment but uh you know i think the rest of the team is really picking that up yeah wilmer flores hasn't been that hot either he's another new guy but uh mauricio dubon they've had they've had some cold guys but uh, at the end of the day they're still hot enough to negate the cold bats in the lineup and as we talk about old people playing well old (laughs) giants playing well we talk about buster posey we got to talk about his partner in crime (laughs) Madison Bumgarner, now with the Arizona Diamondbacks, pitched a no-hitter on to, uh, the day of that we're recording this. Yeah, in the first half. Was it the first or second half of that doubleheader? I don't know. No-hitter. I can't recall. But yeah. it was in the doubleheader against the Atlanta Braves, in which the Braves didn't score a run in 14 innings of play. I just want to put that out <laughs> there. Um, got shut out both games, but Matt, the game that Mad Bum pitched, he did pitch a do- uh, no-hitter over the seven innings and i gotta ask you nate this is the third no hitter we've seen this season this is the first no hitter this season that we've seen within a seven inning double header does it count is it a real (laughs) no hitter does it count um i mean i guess so because it is still a no hitter he didn't let a batter go through not through seven innings which is mightily impressive but at the same time in order for it to be a no hitter does it have to be a complete game does it have to be a complete a complete? I mean, in game? this game, in this case, it is a complete game. Well, sure, but like complete, does it have to be a complete game in the traditional sense? Like a I nine think you got to throw an asterisk on it, yeah. in my opinion, because it was only seven innings. I mean, it's still impressive I, though. I I like you, Darvish, but how <laughs> many times has you, Darvish, blown something in the ninth inning? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I guess There's so. been a, a multitude of no-hitters blown in the ninth inning, and if you're going to be counting these seven-inning double-headers as a no-hitter, sure, they like, went the game's length, yeah. but it, it didn't go yeah. the full nine it didn't innings. Go, it didn't go the full nine yards. Bringing that one back <laughs> It around. didn't go the full nine yards. But I, I don't know. I think for the purposes of this season, it counts. I, I don't think it's going to be looked back on the same as other no-hitters, but I, I think for what it's worth, it's a very impressive performance from mad from mad bum who is yet another guy who turned the clock back to 2010 today just a bunch of old people playing well and i don't like (laughs) it i don't like mad bum playing well go back to the retirement home guys come on (laughs) (laughs) come on let the kids play come on let the kids play that is the mlb phrase and talking about the kids that are playing and an amazing pitcher not an old guy not a young guy a person that Nathan Lannon really <laughs> wants to talk about. He is Jacob DeGrom through his first four starts of the season has 50 strikeouts. That is the most in league history. These, this is a freak of nature we're watching, guys. I mean, like he, it, the fact that I think what's worth talking about too is the fact that he was up against Eric Fetty of the Nationals, and the fact that you could ask, did that did the Mets win? in a 15 strikeout shutout performance complete game from Jacob DeGrom and you still need to ask do the Mets win did the Mets win that game 
it's kind of an indictment on the Mets, but at the same time, it's this is just a. I, is it the greatest four year stretch of pitching we've seen in MLB history? Because I don't think I remember anything quite like what Jacob Degrom has been doing these past. Few I years. can't say in uh, MLB history whether or not it is because I don't have the the log like that, you know. Mm. But I I can confirm that it is a spectacle at the moment. He's he is. Oh, it's such a privilege to watch him play whenever he starts. It's such a privilege. I, I will never forget seeing him in person. It was another brilliant performance. It was a 5-1 Mets victory on my birthday. And it, it was it was so nice. He had his first career home run. But, um, yeah, no, this has just been an absolutely torrid start for Jacob deGrom. Only partially dampened by the Mets' traditional metting and not being able to hit, period. Right, right. The, I think yeah. that is for you to kind of suffer with for for a long time. Yeah. This apparently, is, yeah. This was this was. Oh yeah, that's also worth noting. This was Degrom's first win of the season. This yeah, is know, his first win, and he had pit, He's pitched two fourteen get strikeout games earlier in the season, and this was his first win. Yeah, maybe this podcast isn't cursed, but Nate over here brought his <laughs> Mets fan bad juju into my the, bad juju into this Mets podcast. Mets fan bad juju. Oh my gosh! And How, you wound it. me so. You wound me so. I think you've plagued us. <laughs> I've plagued us with with the Mets. I, I play. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, Matt, I, I plagued us with the Mets luck, which is kind of perfect. <laughs> On the topic of pitchers, I know we just discussed Jacob DeGrom, uh, but two other Cy Young candidates that we had going into the season, Luis Castillo and Flaherty, faced off once again. We pointed it out in our kind of weekend games to look forward to. Flaherty once again taking the crown, the dub, getting the win over uh, Luis Castillo. A much more competitive game than the last time where the Cardinals scored like seven runs off of uh, right. Luis Castillo and then the Reds scored five runs off of Jack Flaherty. Mm. Much more of a pitcher's duel, if you will. But yeah. Luis Castillo not performing. It didn't well. go as haywire. It didn't go as haywire as their last matchup did. It, right. it went more as expected. Luis Castillo still didn't have a great game, and Flaherty did. The, yeah, Flaherty, Flaherty was did. great. Flaherty was great. Flaher- Jack Flaherty had a return to form with this game. Luis Castillo did not, and. The struggles continue for the Reds, who started white hot but are now dead last, who, who, but who now have sole possession of last place in the NL Central. And Central is a very competitive division. We know that, they know that it's a close division. There's always teams competing for first. It's never a solidified spot for anybody there. So that hot start was gonna, is going to help them going on uh, moving forward, but they have been very cold uh, mm. as of late. Yeah, I mean, they started, yeah, I think they have they were like 9-6, and six, I think. I think they've lost like 6 straight, or some unfortunate losing streak. Yeah, they're definitely not performing well, yeah. and I don't think we pre- predicted them to perform well, so yeah. it's definitely... Yeah. It seems like it's the flash in the pan is ending for the Cincinnati Reds. Things are leveling out. Yeah, like it's it's restoring, as it should be, because on paper, the Cincinnati Reds are not very good. On paper, the Pirates aren't that good, but look at that. They're 500. They are 500 in third place in the NL Central. Just a game, just half a game back of the St. Louis Cardinals for second, which is definitely interesting. I, I don't, th- I, I don't think I expected them to be 522 games in, but I mean, here they are. I, like, it, it just feels like when is the other shoe going to drop though? Because it's another team like the Reds that on paper is not very good. Finishing up our kind of talk over about different pitching matchups, uh, we did sh- mm. uh, spotlight Garrett Cole versus Shane Bieber. Mm. Uh, great. I mean, hey. It was a fantastic matchup. Yeah. I mean, two guys that are Cy Young candidates going at it. You love to see it. And as for the game, the Yankees did end up winning, but I mean, an absolute pitcher's duel. The definition of a pitcher's duel, a one-run game. Uh, two to one, one run game. It, it was an absolute, just it was an absolute uh, clinic put on by two of the game's best pitchers. Garrett Cole having nine, uh, eleven strikeouts, and Shane Bieber having nine strikeouts. 
The problem from Shane Bieber was the long ball. He gave up only two runs in this appearance. Both were, Both homers, were home runs. One from Aaron Hicks yeah. and one from Rufnet Odor. That's also what the Yankees do. They are a power hitting team. Like and and it makes it, it definitely makes sense that the Yankees two runs that game were both off of homers. Right, it, it was off of homers, but we're also not in Yankee Stadium. We were at Progressive Field, mm. so obviously it gets rid of some of the smaller parts of that field. I know it is kind of like a it's a pitcher's park in my opinion, mm. uh, Progressive Field. So obviously the the amount of home runs were gonna be uh, lessened, but. There's still a power lineup, and that's what they're kind of built on, which, once again, makes sense for not just the team culture, right. but for where they play and all that. So, yes, the long ball was the story in this game. The Yankees won the series 3-1, to one, uh, kind of picking up where they needed to, actually. I mean, hmm. they were not they doing too hot. finally got a win. Yeah, it, it was. It, uh, the Yankees have finally snapped out of their funk, at least for a bit. And while their bats still aren't hot, I mean, the only really good hitter on the team right now is uh, Higashioka with hitting 286. But the Yankees finally did take a series. They're still near the bottom of the AL East, but it was good for them to wake up, wake up from their uh, funk. I don't think I will ever say it was good for them. Well, you know what I mean. But it was you good know what for I mean. them. Yeah, it was good for them. Not good for the baseball world, but, you know, good for them. Once you know, again, the two, seam, the two seam podcast, the podcast where two aspiring sports journalists <laughs> sit down Yankees. and hate the Yankees. We sit down and we hate the Yankees. We did talk a lot about pitching performances, but we do want to touch light on some amazing hitting that is going on in the major leagues. The first being the most exciting player in baseball, possibly, possibly the most exciting ba- player in baseball, in the most exciting series in baseball, no question about that. In the Padres versus Dodgers, Tatis Jr. absolutely showing the Dodgers up right now. He hit uh, he hit uh, two home runs on the same he hit two home runs again in Dodger Stadium on the same day, however many years ago it was that his father Fernando Tatis Sr. hit two home hit two grand slams in one inning in Dodger Stadium. In Dodger Stadium. Baseball is magic, folks. And also, <laughs> it was April 23rd. What number does Tatis Jr. wear? 23. 23. Guys, simula- this is a simulation glitch. I-, I think I think we're being hacked. <laughs> I, think, I, <laughs> I think we're being hacked. You might be right. You might be on to yeah. something right there. But yes, Tatis Jr. did have two home runs against Clayton Kershaw in Game 1 of the series. Right. In Game 2 of the series, Tatis Jr. has... Another two home runs. And now, in game three... Actually, sorry. Sorry. My apologies. Game two, game three... No. I think it was in game two... I think it was game game two. Game three, and now we're in game four. Yeah. So, in game four, now he hits another home run to start off the game, or at some point in the game. And now he has five home runs in the last three games. Red hot. White hot. I think think the uh, best part about this stretch for Fernando Tatis... Was that he hit two home runs off of Trevor Bauer, and I I, I remember that clip where uh, they were debuting the show, where they, where there was where Trevor Bauer was debuting MLB The Show Twenty One, and they and he made a comment. I was like, they had Tatis hitting two homers off of me. Can you believe that? Which is just perfect. Because that's exactly what Tatis went out and did. He hit two homers off of Trevor Bauer. There's a lot to talk about between Tatis and Bauer because Tatis, or Bauer in the preseason, taunted the Padres a little bit with some, you know, some shenanigans. He loves, Trevor Bauer loves his shenanigans, in my opinion. (laughs) Um, But he did do that with the one eye closed, the struts. Tatis Jr. hits a home run as he's rounding the bases covers one eye, hits his second home run. As he crosses the plate, he does the the Conor McGregor strut, which also <laughs> Trevor Bauer has adopted for his own use. Yeah. In the same game, Eric Hosmer gets a single off of Bauer, and he does his little sword yeah, thing. Yeah, sheathing the sword. Right, yeah. and then when Bauer struck him out earlier in the game, he mm. did the sword <laughs> sheathing. So, yeah. very fun uh, kind of game, kind of... Sh- you know, it's a kid's game. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's a kid's game. <laughs> I, I think we, I think we should give Trevor Bauer credit here because a- after the game, he did, uh, get, he did give credit where credit was due and said that he would, that he likes, that he's a, uh, 
not going to go crazy for players celebrating their home runs. Like he prayed, like he gave Tatis his, uh, his due by saying that uh, he wants players to celebrate. Right. And then also, so once again, a lot of controversy in that regard because, yes, there was a lot of back and forth celebrations. Mm. Not typical for your baseball spectacle. So I fun, think it's though. great. No, yeah, I think it's so great. Fun. I'm just saying it's not typical right. for a lot of people that are watching the games. But as well as Fernando Tatis Jr. looking down at the catcher and catching signs before hitting a home run. Don't know. Yes, I mean that is an absolute legal thing. Obviously, I mm. think that's extremely fair. Right. I don't know why it blew up as much as it did, uh, and even the pitch that he swung at and hit the home run on that at bat was outside of the zone. Ex- looked like an excuse me swing, even so, and he just launches it out of center field. I mean, one, he's an amazing hitter, and two, I just don't think that. I think this whole thing got blown out of proportion just a bit. Yeah, I definitely think it got blown out of proportion. I, I, I don't think it was as sinister as some fans made it out to be, uh, Looking at, uh, with uh, Tatis looking at the sign. It, I, I still think Fernando Tatis would have had an absolute crusher of a game if he didn't. Cause, I mean, because he did. Absolutely. And on the topic of offensive explosions, the Astros, 16 runs, now with their team back fully. No more of the, you know, COVID precautions and all that. Mm. So, Nate. Yeah. The Astros, are they coming back? Are they Are they coming back? Are they red hot? Are I they going to make a run? They I, I don't know about a run, but they've definitely uh heated back up after getting those after getting Bregman, Altuve and uh I think it was Alvarez coming back from the COVID list. They did lose today yeah. against the Angels. But um but they scored 16 runs. On the Angels, uh, was it a game or two games before? It was just yesterday. Just yesterday. Well, as of the launch of this podcast, yeah. it was um, two days ago. Saturday, April 24th, the Astros scored 16 runs, won it 16-2 to against the Angels. Uh, an absolute offensive explosion from mm. their big guys. It's actually just like yeah. the normal Alvarez, names. Alvarez, Bregman, and Altuve, absolutely. So, maybe, perhaps, there are some Astros fans out there those people out there that <laughs> those people are rejoicing yeah they're the 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 very very small minority of the baseball world that are Astros fans are rejoicing right now because their bats are back I, I don't know it on, seems like for now I don't know how hot of a how much of a run they're gonna go on but this isn't something to be scoffed at because the bat the talent is still there with the Astros right and Nate the Cubs. The Cubs. Listen here. Yes. I know you're sleeping. One eye open now. Oh my God. But on Friday, April 23rd, they did score 15 runs against those Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, they did, they did it against a good team. That is what I said. I'm the, I, my alarm, I hear my alarm going off. I hear my alarm going off. It's ringing. I, I hit snooze, but rest assured, I'm faking being asleep at this point. Faking being asleep. I want five more minutes. I want five more minutes. They did lose. The, <laughs> they did end up losing the series and getting shut out today, as of the recording session. So Sunday, the April twenty fifth, they did get shut out. So maybe you know, maybe you hit snooze at the right time. Yeah. See, because it didn't go off again. You know, it, it hasn't gone off since I hit snooze, which is weird. Maybe I turned it off by accident. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> uh, One last topic I think I want to touch on is just or a general synopsis of. Where we are at in baseball as of this recording. You know, this is the last episode for a couple weeks. So I think we should touch on each division just a tad. Um, the <laughs> I know you want to talk about this a little mm-hmm. bit. But the NL East yes. is weak. It is weak. It's very weak. And which is so strange. I feel like I feel like the MLB world does this every year. Where they think, okay, but this year, this year, the NL East, is, it's going to be so cutthroat. Oh, there's so many good players on these good teams, and it just never happens. And while the Mets, yes, are do have a winning record, I, I can't overstate this. The Mets are winning the NL East by default. The Phillies, Braves, Marlins, and Nationals are all below 500. Now, I get that the... Uh, now, I get that the Mets have had a few games postponed. They've played a few less games than their competition, but at the end, they've had some white-hot starting pitching. Beyond that, the Mets haven't been able to hit well 
and the Phillies, it's been the usual suspect so far. They have they're I guess all the money in the world can't buy a team above 500. The Braves, I am now the Braves are the exception here. I I think I'm they pretty They're com- underperforming. They are underperforming absolutely, but I think they're going to wake out of the, wake up out of this slump eventually, especially with Ronald Acuña hitting as hot as he is. And he's in MVP form right now. The Marlins, I think it's boilerplate for them. The being, story is yeah. young players, young talent. Right. The story, the story at the NL East is young players and young talent doing well, or at least with the Marlins. I, I think them being nine and twelve as of this recording is pretty boilerplate for them. I, I think that's what you what you could expect. They weren't exactly gonna replicate last year's success, but you know, there's definitely something to write home about now with the Marlins. And rounding out that last place in the NLEs is the Washington Nationals, a team that we did see a lot of different moves come out for them in the offseason. They have a great pitching staff. They have Josh Bell now, and it seems as they have Juan Soto. They have Trey Turner. Juan Soto and Trey Turner. They won the World Series just a couple years ago, and they're sitting last up to this point. Obviously, only being two games back, we're at the beginning of the season, so anything can really fluctuate. Right. But no teams in this division, besides the Mets, who are only one game above 500, right. have a winning record. And it's not even like the Mets have had that hard of a schedule. I mean, the toughest opponent I think we've faced to this point are the Phillies. Like that's that's because the other teams we faced, I think, are the Rockies, the Marlins, and the Nationals. They haven't exactly had a super tough schedule so far either. And do you know when you're going to make up those games against the Nationals? I think the Mar I don't know about I don't know when the games are going to be made up against the Nat- the Nationals. I know there was a Marlins game or two that got postponed that's going to be a double header uh, I think a few weeks from now though. Right. So they still got games in hand, which is a weird thing to say about baseball. Normally you say that about a, a sport like soccer, they have games in hand. Right. But weird to say it about baseball, but the Mets do and technically they ask the Nationals do as well. Moving on to the Central, the Brewers are leading the division with the Cardinals, the Pirates, Cubs, and Reds in that order to follow. Yeah. Much more competitive in a sense. I don't know. It I didn't feels... think it'd be as competitive as it is. Like, I feel like because it was a weak division. I felt like Pirates were going to felt... be way lower. Yeah, the Pirates are 500, which is kind of amazing. But as far as the top two teams, I mean, at least for now, we got it right. The Cardinals and Brewers are uh, so far establishing themselves. But... At the same time, it's all very close. I mean, the Cubs are only a game back of the Cardinals and half a game back of the Pirates. So it, it's very interesting. I thought because it's a weaker division, at least on paper, that I, I think that the top of that division would would establish itself more clearly. But I think the Kings are still being worked out with the Central so far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't have predicted the Reds' hot start. Now they're cooling off. Makes a lot more sense. These Pirates are 11-11, and... I don't even know what's going right for them. I don't know what could be going wrong for them. I mean, there's a lot that could be. Mm. But they're kind of performing well to this point, and I don't know how long it's going to last for. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. But it just seems like everybody in this division is just kind of playing 500 baseball at the moment. Right. Besides the Brewers, who are on top, yeah. winning 7 out it'll, of their last it'll be, 10. It'll be really interesting to see who comes out of this division in the end. Because I think this is going to be a division that's very much in play towards the end of the regular season. And moving down to the winner's circuit <laughs> was what I'm going by to call far it. The best division in the le- by far the best division in the league so far. The NL West being led by the... Los Angeles Dodgers. Who would what, have predicted that? Yeah, who what would a, have predicted a, that? What a surprise. But the actual <laughs> surprise in this division is that, once again, the Giants are 14-8. and eight. They're above the Padres right now, which is... Now, don't get me wrong. The Padres have had a brutal schedule to start the year. But the Giants, I mean, other than series against the Marlins, it's not like they've had it super easy. I mean, they, I mean, they're, they did open against the Mariners. The Giants, they're... Four, they are protecting home they are eight and two on the season at home in away games there are six and six so obviously something about being uh in oracle park is is something special for them right some something about being at home is uh awakening a winning is is awakening a winning a bit of winning here with the giants the padres have had a rough schedule up to this point facing a lot of tough teams the dodgers twice the brewers once so obviously they have had a little bit of difficulties, um, but hey, there's still 
a really good ball club that are have a winning record 12 and 11 up to this point they would be leading the nl east if they were in the nl east <laughs> so yeah but that doesn't say much i guess all right, that is true. They would be leading the NL East, but yeah, that really isn't saying much considering how that division has just imploded so far. And rounding out the bottom, we have uh, the Diamondbacks playing 500 baseball for that matter. So once again, a team that's not below 500. And then as we predicted, the Rockies would be at the bottom. But 8-13 and 13 isn't as terrible as I thought maybe they could be. Yeah. In fact, with 8-13... and 13, They have one less win than the Mets. But the Mets haven't played as many games. That's true. That they have true. a win percentage right now of 38% wins. Yeah, that, so. it is pretty awful. But, you know, it's... I, they I are definitely thought it'd be six. worse. Like, they're, honestly, they're 0-6 on the road. I honestly thought it'd be worse for the Rockies. Like, they'd have it could maybe, be. like, four wins by it now. It could be worse yeah. for the Rockies. And it's probably only going to get worse for the Rockies. <laughs> Moving over to the American League. We have, going from east to west, the Boston Red Sox with their nine-game win streak that they had earlier in the season, not having a great homestand, um, playing 14 games over 13 days, a lot of, uh, a lot of, I guess, a lot of consecutive games and not a lot of rest for these players, but leading the division 14-9, and nine, I mean, J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts have 30 hits on the uh 30 hits respectively on the season. So a combined 60 hits leading the major leagues. Uh, Bogarts is leading the off- uh, offensively every single category you can lead for shortstops. And the starting pitching, which has seen some, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, some rough games against these Seattle Mariners. Generally, they've been really good. Steady Eddie has <laughs> been Eddie. really good. Four wins on the season up to this point. They have actually won 18 out of the last like 21 starts for um, uh, when he get when there's a decision made right. for him in his starts. So I mean, he's looking good. The Red Sox are looking pretty decent up to this point. I'm excited to see what they can do once you know they get a they get a break and they're able to separate themselves from the game a little bit. They're right. only eight and eight at home, which is not something you normally see. The Fenway atmosphere is it there? Is there something missing? Possibly. Maybe. As a person who's gone... I think three of those losses are on us, though. Possibly. (laughs) Possibly. Six and one in away games. They're doing pretty well. But the division isn't doing that terribly either. Uh, It's shaped up a bit. The Rays are 500. The Rays are 500, (laughs) and then every other team is under 500. Uh, The Blue Jays, 10-11. The Yankees climbing back up from their terrible start. Their precipice. They were 5-10, and 10, now they're 9-12, and 12, so they're doing a bit better. And then the Orioles, who, hey, they ended the Athletics winning streak. So, not doing too terrible at 9-12 and 12 And they have the well. same record as the Yankees. But, I don't know why, they, they can't win at home. <laughs> they're 2-8 at home. They're 2-8 at, what's, what's so, come on guys, what's so bad about Camden Yard? It's, it's a pretty cool ballpark. It's okay. Can't win there? It's okay. It's pretty cool. It's I pretty think cool. it's just okay. I think the lookout on Utah Street is pretty cool. Right, but I mean, you look at you look at anything else in that ballpark. You look to left field, you look to center field. It's just empty. And then the stacked bullpens. I'm not the big fan of the stacked bullpens. If I'm gonna be real, eh, suit yourself. I like Camden Yards. But I moving on to the AL Central. This is, the White Sox have really round back into form. They're 12 and nine, but they are not leading the AL Central. That is still be the Royals still have a game and a half lead. For the division over the White Sox, the Indians, Twins, and naturally the Tigers are all below 500. The t- the twi- I don't think any I don't think we predicted this cold of a start for the Twins, did we? Yeah, no, they're definitely not playing too hot. But I think obviously I say this about a lot of different teams. I think they'll bounce back into form eventually. Uh, obviously, they're a playoff contender. They have been in the playoffs how many years consecutive in the row? Even though they can't win in the playoffs, <laughs> they do typically perform yeah. decent in the regular season. I don't see it um, seeing this hold for too long, but yeah, yeah they are not doing great. Yeah. They're worse than the Rockies, even. Right. I think the twi- I think the Twins will move on up eventually. They, it's just a matter of when. Uh, I don't think. I, I think we all could have predicted the White Sox being in contention for the division. Obviously. 
I still think it's interesting, like, how long is this going to sustain with the Royals? Can they keep that lead steady over the White Sox? And if so, for how long? I think Because the White Sox are a much better built team. I think they'll start doing bad once we start rooting for them to do good. Because we are the <laughs> cursed podcast, yeah. of course. Once we start rooting for them. Once we feel some type of way about the Royals, that's when they'll fall off the face of the planet. Right. But, and I will say one thing, and I've made a couple tweets about it. I just want to point it out because it's super cool. Mm. The White Sox... I, I was playing on the White Sox and I was playing in the home stadium. Mm. I would want to perform better because they have a home run light show and oh fireworks show for That's every so home run. That's so much fun. I wish, every, I wish every team did that. It's so right? cool. If you guys haven't yeah. seen it, I would recommend looking up the, the kind of home run celebrations that they do there on the south side. It's cool. It's it's absolutely awesome. It makes me th- it makes me think like the, all of these teams are so lame for not doing the same. Like the, the like that light show is so cool. And then the fireworks to end yeah. it, and then the lights come back on. Yeah, they have fun over there. In it's outside. it's kind of like when the uh, angels on the rocks they'll throw they'll shoot fire when there's a team, uh, home run at night mm. or in the day. Actually, I'm pretty sure they shoot fire yeah. as well. So it's kind of I like to see when teams get involved and the stadiums get involved with the. With what's going on in the field, you know. Moving out west, the final division, the Mariners not leading the division because the Athletics, who won 13 straight, their their streak is over now, but 14-8 and eight on the season after going 1-7, and seven, now leading the AL West by one game. Wow. These athletics are performing well. Yeah, after starting one and seven, here they are. I, I, I think it's I, I think another really good story in this division is the Mariners. I it's another team that's it, it's a team that's very young. I, I didn't think they'd be I didn't think they'd start hot so quickly, but at the same time, it, I, it can't be denied what they're doing. I mean, did they? How did they do again in that series against the Red Sox? Did they split? They or, split the yeah. series, and they did perform pretty well. Uh, right. in the series of course but you know i i i don't know whether or not it's going to sustain for them i'm kind of right. they're in a cool. tough division i like the mariners right i think they have cool uniforms they do have cool uniforms i always thought like the teal and navy color scheme was pretty interesting but uh but um i feel like the uh angels are eventually going to get get it together and be a bit better than they are at 500 and overtake the mariners who are still young who are who still have a lot to who still have a lot of experience to gain. There's also the always the Astros to account for with their uh, ultra talented roster. They can always make a run. The one team that it feels like we don't really have to account for in that regard, though, are the Texas Rangers. They're not very good. Now, granted, they are nine and thirteen and have only one less win than the Astros. But it's a much worse team. I, I think with the other four teams in this division, there's a significant drop-off in talent with the Rangers. I'll say it again. Trade Joey Gallo. <laughs> Blow it up. Just end it. You already traded Odor. Right. You can trade Joey Gallo. You'll get a better return for him. Or exactly. at least you should. I, absolutely. Yeah. Trade Joey Gallo. It'll get better. I do want to go back to the marriage just for a second and say there's prospects coming. And if it's if we're basing it off of the cheapskate president in the rotor in the Rotary Club, he did say Klenick would come up late April. In that, I don't know how much we can trust it. He didn't say that about any other other prospects in there, right. but he did say Klenick would be in April. He would come up, so potentially Jared Klenick making an appearance later this April. That would be really. Or I guess we are in late April, yeah, so we maybe are in late April. maybe so May, maybe early May, <laughs> maybe, or maybe yeah. late May, or early June, or never. or never, or never. But <laughs> we are in late May. But um, it will, it'll certainly be interesting to see how right, much April. whenever he comes up, it'll be see it'll be interesting to see how much of a jolt Jerry Klenick can give the Seattle Mariners. That is the MLB scope up to this point, mm. and a lot of things we could have predicted, and a lot of things we. Definitely did not have on the table. I think for the most part, we got the bad teams right. I mean, the Rangers aren't good, the Tigers aren't good, and the Orioles aren't good in the AL. I think last place, I think we've gotten right. I don't. I, I don't know how long it's going to sustain it. How long the Pirates' relative success is going to sustain? Same thing with the Royals. But uh, I, I think for the most part, we got the bad teams wrong. The good. T- the good. I mean, the bad teams right. The good teams. It's. I don't know. I can't speak for me because I didn't think the Brewers would be 
amazing. I didn't think they'd lead the division early. I I had the card. I I still have the Cardinals winning the division. I think their high end talent will heat up eventually. But the Brewers are definitely the class of the division so far. Yeah, no, I think that we we've gotten a lot right. Hey, and the Tigers, they got last place right now. They're gonna get first pick again. <laughs> Another first pick for them. Yeah. Hey, Love good good job. good job, good yeah. job, Detroit. Good job. You're tanking correctly. One day, good one day we'll be staring at the Tigers. Miguel Cabrera yeah. will be retired. And we're going to look yeah. at those Tigers and we're going to be like, look at that winning yeah. team. Look at that winning team with all these great young players. One day, we're going to be, instead of looking down at the Tigers, we will be looking up at them. But for now, they are 7-15. and 15. Yeah. But for now, they're terrible. They are terrible. <laughs> they're terrible. But yeah, we got a lot of the winning teams for in the NL, right? Yeah. Uh, Dodgers and Brewers. For me. I, I wonder who could have predicted that the, the Dodgers, Dodgers would be good. and the That's Brewers. That's nuts. The Dodgers are good. Yeah. I'm excited for the next time the Dodgers play the uh, Giants. Yeah, me too. Oh my God, that'll be a good series. I mean, we talk about Dodgers. An unexpectedly good series. I mean, we talk about Dodgers Padres. Dodgers Giants will be a good series. As for the uh, NL East predictions, I didn't think the Mets would be leading, but, you know, it's surprisingly something I don't really feel like I can be happy about because it's by default. It's by default that the Mets are leading the East. And I am very happy about the Red Sox <laughs> leading the East. So, with that, I think, Nate, this, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. This is the end of the in-person right. two-scene podcast. But once again, please, we know we are going to take about two weeks probably. I'll, I'll roughly estimate two weeks we're going to yeah. be off of the podcast. So but we will right. return remotely and we will be back and we will still keep up with the same days that we're uploading we could even throw another podcast in there we haven't really discussed that but we would have a lot more time on our hands so it is something on the table i'm excited for this summer and i'm excited to continue doing this oh absolutely it's going to be a great summer there's still plenty of baseball left to be played and plenty more to discuss so from Room 913 (laughs) in Little Building at Emerson College. We thank you for listening to the podcast. If you did enjoy this podcast, please follow us on Spotify uh, to get notified whenever we do upload a new episode. As well as following us on Twitter at The2SeemPod for whenever we give updates on what's going on. I know definitely right now we are going to be giving a lot of updates throughout the week. Maybe some celebration tweets will say, the two-scene podcast finished their first year of college. Let's throw a little right. party. Right. Also, uh, this uh, – oh, we won't be able to talk about it this week. The Mets and Red Sox play each other in the, both their teams' next series. We'll keep some live tweets yeah. of those we if will we be have live the tweeting time. those. If we have the time, it yes. is finals week. We are very busy <laughs> college students. Right, but, right. But Should we, we are, find the time, we will update you guys on that series. And if you want to follow us and on our main accounts where we're much more active, my at is Tyler underscore underscore Foy and Nate's is at Lannon underscore Nate. With that, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Two Scene Podcast. We look forward to seeing you guys next time on the Two Scene Podcast where we are going to be remote. Yeah.